Hi everybody, and welcome to part one of our brand new series, Anchored. In October of 2010, three teenage boys um, who lived in the islands of Takalao, who usually um, very often traversed from one island to the other in a small aluminium boat, got disorientated and without an anchor, went off course and went missing. They were actually missing for 50 days. And after 50 days, they were discovered 240 miles from Fiji, which is 1,400 kilometers from their home islands. They had been missing for so long that the authorities of where they lived actually declared them dead and their family and friends held memorial services for them. But just imagine how differently things would have turned out for those three young teenage boys had they had an anchor on board their small boat. And they would have been able to drop the anchor and probably be seen by people passing them by. But without an anchor, they had gone adrift and been missing for 50 days. When they were found, they were really starved and malnourished and very close to death. But what does it mean to be anchored? Why is it important to be anchored? Now the word anchor can actually be defined as something that serves to hold an object firmly in place. An anchor keeps us from drifting. I love this scripture in Hebrews 6, verse 18 to 19, that says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Then it goes on in verse 19 and says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Now, in this Hebrews passage, the word anchor is being used figuratively. So our hope can be secure and unmovable when it is anchored in God. I love the fact that it tells us that it leads us um, through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary, which used to be a place that only the high priest was allowed to enter once a year. Now God has torn that curtain down and we can um, have a hope for our souls in being able to be in his presence all the time. And so um, what we're going to do in this series is we are actually going to look at some of God's truths. If you have ever had misconceptions as to what it means to be a Christian, then we want to replace error with truth. But not the world's truth, with God's truth. And so when I was preparing this, I asked myself this question, and, and this is a question I want to pose today, is what exactly does it take? to be anchored in God's truth. What, is, what all is involved to be anchored in his truth? Now, too often Christian, Christians seem to be okay with just receiving and, and just gleaning um, knowledge, in, in just having knowledge. And very often we'll say, um, here's a Bible, take this and learn some good stuff. But what Jesus did whenever he taught people was he always taught them to apply what they were learning, not just to have knowledge for knowledge's sake, but to actually apply it to their lives. There's a great example in this Bible in Matthew 7, 
And Jesus had just finished uh, teaching the Sermon on the Mount, he, uh, one of the most famous sermons of, of all time. And this entire message of the Sermon on the Mount was actually about what to do, not just what to believe, but actually what to do. And he was teaching this because he knew that knowledge alone would never be enough. It's more important as to what we do with the knowledge that we have. And so I want to read to us today from Matthew 7, from verse 24. And I'm going to read it to you from two versions, from the NIV and the message, because I love the way that the message version unpacks it. But from verse 24, we read, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." Now, looking at that very same passage in the message version, it says, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter, that's what the Bible says, not my words, who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. I love that version. It just gives such an amazing picture of what Jesus was teaching there. Now, there are two builders in this story, but Jesus isn't talking about random two builders. Jesus is actually talking about you and me. And he's not talking about building houses. He's talking about building lives, you and me building our lives. We are builders building lives. Whether um, we realize it or not, Every single day, what we are doing is building our lives. But sometimes we don't give a lot of thought to the foundation that we are building our lives on. And so your house, which represents um, your life, will endure the storms of life only if you do what is right instead of just talking about it. So we can't just give lip service to what Jesus is saying. We actually need to do something about it because what we do cannot be separated from what we believe. What we do and what we believe needs to line up. And something that I find that I have to ask myself regularly is, does what I believe line up with my behavior? And that's a great question to ask ourselves in this series. Maybe even note that down if you are taking notes, is does what I believe line up with my behavior? And Jesus says that the reason this house stood firm in the storm is not because the builder had great knowledge 
about how to build, but it's actually because he built the house on a foundation of rock. He built it on a rock. But now there's a flip side as we read to verse 24. So verse 24 is, you know, the builder is, is wise, he's building on the rock. But then we read from verse 26 where it says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. It says, but everyone who hears these words. Who is everyone who hears these words? That's you and me. If we go to church, if we have devotions, if we attend life group, if we serve a church, if we spend any time in God's word, we are hearing God's word. You and I are the hearers. Then it goes on in verse 27. It says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So in contrast to the wise man in verse 24, we see that the foolish man is the person who hears God's words, but doesn't do anything with it. He doesn't apply God's words to his life. Now, while both the wise, men and the wise man and the foolish man built their houses or built their lives, which might have even looked identical, they might have had the same building materials, they might have had houses that looked the same, it was the foundation that was different and only one house would have stood firm in the storm. So the foolish man, he built his house on sand. And the thing about sand is that sand is constantly changing. Rock changes so slowly that if you um, look at a rock from, like let's take Table Mountain for example. If you look at Table Mountain a hundred years ago to now, the change is so slow that you will not even realize it. You will not see the change in Table Mountain in your lifetime, okay? The, the change is that slow. But if you go to the beach and you look at beautiful sand castles, I know whenever we've been to Plettenberg Bay and you go to the beach and these guys build these amazing sand castles, the only thing is, is that if you go back the next day, um, the, that sand castle will be, um, gone or at least mostly blown away by the sand and the wind. So how did the wise man differ from the foolish man? Did he work harder? No. Did he have better materials? Probably not. The only difference was the foundation that he chose to build on. That is what made all the difference. And talking about foundations reminds me of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, such a famous landmark that when people travel through uh, Europe, they love to visit um, this monument if they are in Italy. And in 2002, the Leaning Tower of Pisa was finally reopened after more than a dozen years of it being closed because it was so unsafe. Italian authorities actually declared the Leaning Tower of Pisa, of Pisa um, a dangerous monument to, to go into because um, the, the way that it leaned so much over the top, it, 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 was, it was really, really dangerous. And so they actually had this reconstruction um, that, that they started, which cost them about 400 million rand. 
And all that that reconstruction did, such an expensive reconstruction, was it gave them an extra uh, 40 centimeters that it changed. But the thing with the, this monument that I actually want to bring to your attention is not that it was built because the materials were of poor workmanship or poor quality. It wasn't that the builders didn't know what they were doing. It wasn't that um, it was built um, in a hurry with not proper structures. The reason that it lent so much, you know, that it was leaning so much to one side is that um, the city of Pisa is all sand. And this leaning tower of Pisa was built um, on a sandy foundation and should never ever have been, this great monument should never have been built um, on that type of foundation. So this tower didn't have a firm foundation and that's why over the years it just kept leaning more and more and becoming dangerous. So what do we do to avoid building on a sandy foundation? We need to actually look more closely at the parable. Firstly, there are two builders in the story, as I mentioned. Two builders could mean two alternatives. So when it comes to a matter of fundamental truth, there, there, are, there are two alternatives. You're either trusting Jesus, obeying him, following him, or you're not. One way leads to life and salvation, and the other doesn't. Those are the two alternatives in the story. Alternative one, following Jesus. Alternative two, not at all. So I'm going to ask you a question. And this is a question that I have to ask myself often in life. Which of these two options are you choosing? Is your foundation built on things? So very often we can build our foundation on um, things like our career, success, um, maybe sports, maybe our marriage, maybe our, our children, um, maybe the friendships that we have. We can start building our foundations on those things, but those things are not a sure and solid foundation. Because when the storms come, those are not the things that are going to help us stand firm. Only Jesus is the true solid foundation. And I love the words from the old hymn, um, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less, where it says these words, On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Because Jesus Christ is our solid rock. And I love 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11, where it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. Jesus Christ. I love that scripture. So what I want to do um, now is I actually want to cover four points. I want to give you four points today as to how you can stay anchored. That as people, we can stay anchored in, in these ways. And so to make it really easy for you, all four points start with an R because uh, we like to do that here. We keep it really simple for you. So point number one, is that we need to be able to relate to Jesus. It's so important to relate to Jesus. The key to any relationship is communication. You know that in your marriage, in your friendship with your kids, the key to a healthy relationship is communication. So if we want to have a relationship with Jesus, if we want to be able to relate to him, 
We need to communicate with him. We need to talk to him. We need to make space for him. Jesus doesn't want us to just know about him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know him intimately. And that's why the priority, number one priority, is a relationship with Jesus. It's not just to have um, an extra Father Christmas or a genie in the bottle on the, you know, on the side that we can rub whenever we need something. It's, it's an intimate relationship where we don't just get into the word because we want to tick a box. We don't just follow religious rituals or religious traditions. Our primary goal needs to be a relationship with Jesus. Then our second point today is that we need to reflect on scripture. So the first point is that we need to relate to Jesus and then we need to reflect on scripture. We need to take time in the word. We, we mustn't rush through the word when we're reading it. So even if it means that you focus on one verse for the day, it's when we spend time in his word, as Christians, that is how we build a firm foundation. This is our blueprint for what it means to be a Christian. This is the blueprint that Jesus has given us as to how we can live our lives. And do you know that no one um, can know how to build a strong foundation unless you hear about it, unless you um, actually study it? So a builder needs to study his blueprints before he starts building the house. We need to study God's word. We need to reflect on it. And I can recall a few weeks ago, um, I was feeling really um, overwhelmed. I was feeling um, really concerned for someone that I care deeply about. They were just going through a really difficult time. And I was reading in Luke 24, and that's the story of um, the two men who left Jerusalem and were on their way to Emmaus. They were on the road to Emmaus. Jesus had just been crucified and they were despondent. They were sad. They didn't know what was going on. And they started walking away from Jerusalem toward Emmaus. And what really stood out to me in reading that passage was that Jesus met them in their time of need. They were despondent. They were fearful, they were alone, but he met them. And all of a sudden, all I wanted to do was reflect on that scripture. And I was like, Jesus, that's amazing because now I know that even though I'm concerned and, and, and I'm burdened for this person, I know that not only will you meet me when I don't know what else to do, but I know that you will meet that person on their road to Emmaus. And so I wanted to encourage you with that, that I don't have those types of experiences every time I read the Bible. But all I know is that God does speak to me through his word. And as I reflected on that passage in Luke 24, I was so encouraged that I realized that I need to reflect on scripture more often. And so our third point today is that we need to respond to Jesus. So just to recap, point one is we need to relate to Jesus. Number two, we need to reflect on scripture. And number three, we need to respond to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you guys, but 
I've heard lots and lots of people during lockdown take on exercise like they never have before. And um, when lockdown started, we also tried to implement a, an exercise program um, and we were exercising at least three to four times a week. And there's this one personal trainer, Kayla Itzinas, who's a very well-known um, Australian personal trainer and she has a great nutrition program. And, we, and we, we're trying to follow her program, but you know, I follow her on Instagram, I like her posts, I love what she says, I, I, I love her encouragement, she, she encourages me. When I see her, her videos, I wanna do it as well. But the thing is, as, as amazing as the workouts are, as great as the nutrition programs are, nothing is going to change if I don't respond to that exercise program. Nothing is going to change in my life if I don't do what she is saying, if I don't follow. Now, the last two weeks, um, I have been slacking um, on this exercise program, but again, I'm just reminded that I need to respond. And I think that that is what a lot of people do with Christianity. You know, we hear what Jesus is saying to us, but we don't respond. We don't do what we are told to do. We know that it's good for us. We know that we should, but there's no response. We need to respond to Jesus. I love this uh, scripture in James 1, to 23, and I'm actually going to read it to you from the message version because I love the way that it unpacks it. It says, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. So we can't just be hearers of the word. We need to also be doers. We need to respond and do what Jesus says. And you know, when we love Jesus, we want to respond to him. We can't help but want to respond to him. When, when I realized that I love Jesus so much, I love that he gave his life for me. I can't just leave that on a bookshelf. I can't just leave his words in here. His life, his words are life-giving and we need to respond. So, I love the statement that I heard that says everyone ends up somewhere. So end up somewhere on purpose. Don't just let it be by chance. Actually do something to be the one who helps you get to a place where you want to be. And then the fourth point today is that we need to rely on Jesus. So after I began a relationship with Jesus over 20 years ago, I can recall um, meeting Jason, falling in love, and the two of us started talking about marriage. And uh, the thing is, is that before I became a Christian, I was anti-marriage. I was afraid of marriage because in my immediate family, I didn't grow up with a great example of what marriage should be, of what marriage should look like. And so I just thought, no, marriage is not for me. And to be honest with you, when I was younger, my mom used to say to me, um, you know, Men are no good. Don't worry about men. And I, and I believed that. I, was, I thought, well, you know, it's better for me just to not be married and not get myself into that situation. But when I gave my life to Jesus, I realized that 
I, I love Jesus and I want to do my life in the way that he wants me to. I want to honor him. I want to respond. I want to, I want to do what he says that I should do. But when you are afraid, when you've had an upbringing or a life experience that has put fear into you about making a decision as great as marriage, I had to learn to rely on Jesus. I had to learn that it takes faith to completely rely on him. And so I had to pray, I had to seek him, and I had to know that Jesus, if, if this is what you want for me, if you want me to get married, I'm going to put the work in. And it's not always been easy. We've had ups and downs. But what I can tell you is that it has been so worth it. But it's been worth it because we've always tried to do it Jesus' way. And, and that's what I want to encourage you with. We need to rely on him. You need to ask God for help when you're not sure what to do. You need to rely on him completely. And so in closing, I just want to encourage you that, of course, it's possible to achieve great things in life without Jesus. It's possible to have a business and a career that's successful. It's possible to have a marriage and a family that are doing well. It's possible to have great friends. It's possible to enjoy things. It's possible to be a, gr a good person and, and volunteer or give to charity, maybe volunteer at a school or, or, or give to an organization. All of these things make us good people, but eventually a storm will come. You see, the thing is, is that Jesus never promised us a storm-free life. But he has promised us that if we build our lives on him, on the rock, that he will always be there to support us, to encourage us, to help us through the storms of life. And so as great as those things are, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, please don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with having um, a successful business and a great marriage and and giving to charity and supporting charities, those things are all good, but they can't be the ultimate thing. I heard the statement that says, a good thing becomes a bad thing when it becomes the foundational thing. So those things can't be what our foundations are built on. Jesus is who we need to build our foundations on. And so Lane Jones says this great quote, unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do any good. The value of paint is in the application. Don't you just love that? Paint is no good in the tin. It's only fulfilling its purpose when it's being applied. And so I want to leave you with a Bible verse for this week that I really want you to um, reflect on. I want you to think about it. Maybe Type it out and put it onto your, your bedroom cupboard or in the kitchen, in the bathroom, in your car. Because I'd love to encourage you to reflect on this scripture this week. From, we, we read it from Matthew 7 verse 24 that says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I want to pray for us. So just where you are, you can close your eyes. And let me pray. Father, I want to thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. That we can have a hope 
and a future in Him. We can build our lives on Him. He is the sure and solid foundation. He is our anchor. And so I pray that as we go into this week, you would help us to not only hear your word, but to respond to it, to apply it to our lives. That we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers. Help us, God, to build our lives, to be intentional about building our lives on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. If you're watching today and you would like to give your life to Jesus, you'd like to make a decision to commit your life to Him, then I would like to pray with you. So let's close our eyes and you can say this prayer with me. Father, I thank you for every person who is choosing to commit their lives to you today. Please would you help them on this journey. Help them to see that you love them, that you sacrificed your life for them, that you have a wonderful plan and purpose for their lives. I pray that each person would um, search your word to discover how much you love them and that they would be intentional to try and build their lives on your sure and solid foundation. So we thank you, God, that you love us and you have a wonderful plan and purpose for every person who's watching. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.